Perfection Unfolding. I am your host, Kara G. So good to be here. So good to know that you tuned in, even though I don't really know. But if you are listening to this, then I'll just just know that I know in my, in my heart of hearts. <laughs> anyway, happy Tuesday. What the hell? It's already feels like the middle of the week. Um, Episode two, crazy. Thank you so much for everybody who tuned into episode one and listened to the trailer. I've got like a hundred, I guess, quote unquote, downloads so far. And that feels really cool. People are listening in Denmark, or at least a person is, and somebody's listening in the Netherlands somewhere. So just super cool. Um, It's cool to get all the support that everybody sent me. Thank you so much. You guys are the real MVPs. I appreciate you. I love you. Um. And yeah, so let's get this thing off the ground. How the hell are we? Hmm? Just want to sit and check in with yourself for a second. Maybe take a deep breath. <sighs> if you're driving, hopefully you do a couple more of those breaths, make you feel better if you're going into work, if you're coming home from work. A couple, a couple deep breaths, a little bit of breath work will help uh, pass the time, make you feel a little less crazy on the road. Um, if you're jamming in the gym or you're somewhere at home just doing chores, Hashtag me too. Um, but yeah, so I want to start. So last week we talked about, you know, the philosophy of perfect. This week's going to be a little bit different, but I want to start off. I want to start the show moving forward with a segment I want to call Today I'm Grateful For. And I want to do this, A, because it's it's going to set the intention of the show. And B, it's something that gratitude is something that I'm trying to cultivate in my life all the time like a big part of perfection unfolding is being grateful for what's happening in the here and now it's being present it's being mindful of it's being mindful of what's what's going on and in your life and and being grateful no matter what it is right like everything has a purpose and a plan and a reason and a season and i'm a person who doesn't subscribe to coincidence um, I don't think anything's on accident. I think everything is very intentional. And some might say, well, what about, what does that mean that we have free will? And to that I say, I think it's a dance. I think we're dancing with um, our purpose and our choice at the same time. I like to think that. I think that that's cool. You know, in, in social dancing, if you're into the Latin dance, um, like me, there's a lead and there's a follow and you can't have one without the other, which is kind of like the yin and yang idea. It's like the masculine and the feminine. It's the up and the down, the left and the right, the, the quote unquote good and the bad, the helpful and the hurtful. Um, you can't have one without the other. And I like to just sit in gratitude for all of it. I mean, I'm literally the person who I'm in the middle of crying and because I'm so sad about something. And then like one second later, I just think to myself, this is so beautiful. This is why I'm here. I'm here to feel everything and to experience everything and to just let it all wash over me. And so gratitude is something that I practice because it helps me recalibrate to that. It helps me remember that Um, because it's really easy to just slip into pessimism. It's real easy to just be like, 
F this, screw this, like, no, you know what I mean? It just, and listen, uh, for those of you who know me, you know that I've been going through a lot, a lot of stuff in the last couple months, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. And I am just actively choosing, like I'm using my free will to choose to see the bright side of it. And not just to see the bright side, but to accept the dark, to accept and honor the dark and to honor the shadow and not just brush it off and not just, you know, do this like, you know, performative optimism. No, like genuinely appreciating the darkness, the tough times, the sadness, the grief. I've been grieving a lot. <laughs> I feel like the last two years I've just been grieving so much. I've been grieving old versions of myself. I've been grieving relationships. I've been grieving what I thought a relationship was going to be or what it could be or what I thought it was. I've been grieving lost friendships. I've been grieving lost jobs. I've been grieving lost opportunity. I've been grieving potential. You know, oh my God, nothing will break your heart more than potential, right? My own potential, the pot potential of others, so on and so forth. So I want to start this, I want to start every show off with just a today I'm grateful for segment. And before I get into what I'm actually grateful for, I did do a little bit of research. You're welcome. Because um, there's a science, there's not, the gratitude isn't just like a willy-nilly thing that just makes you feel good. Like there is science behind it. There's science behind putting good energy, putting helpful and, and grateful energy into the world and getting that energy back, right? And um, a person who was kind of like a pioneer and talking about mindfulness and talking about gratitude and how important it is on the scale of, you know, consciousness, if you will, is uh, Sir David R. Hawkins. Uh, he's an MD, PhD. And I found this article. Um, I found this article on basically his publisher's website. He he's since he's since uh, passed away. He's he's no longer alive, but he was just this like thought leader in mindfulness, and he made this whole like seventeen stage like map of consciousness um and the and he, he kind of he lays it all out in this book called power versus force i haven't read the book but i've heard about it and i've heard people talk about it and it's supposed to be very dense it's very wordy it's very heady it's a lot of um a lot of science i mean the man was he was a spiritual leader and a scientist so he had this kind of cool uh, combination of being grounded and enlightened and um yeah it's just dope and i plan on doing more research on him but the little bit that I do know about him, I want to share with you because that's what I'm here for. Um, so anyway, I found this article and I'll link it in the show notes um, that just that talks about a, that biography of uh, Sir David Hawkins. And it says this, he says, Sir David Hawkins, MD, PhD, was a nationally renowned psychiatrist, physician, researcher, spiritual teacher, and lecturer. The uniqueness of his contribution to humanity comes from the advanced state of spiritual awareness known as quote-unquote enlightenment, quote-unquote self-realization, and quote-unquote unio mystica. That sounds fun. Uh, rarely, if ever, has this spiritual state occurred in the life of an accomplished scientist and physician. So he kind of bridged the gap between, you know, spiritual, quote-unquote, woo-woo-ness and the practical world of science and medicine. It goes on to say, therefore, Dr. Hawkins was uniquely qualified to present a spiritual path that is scientifically compelling to modern society. Um, it goes on to say, the classical hallmarks of this state are pristine awareness of ultimate reality, compassion for all beings, 
tireless dedication to alleviate suffering, radiate joy, and humor. People from all walks of life, nationalities, and spiritual orientations honor Dr. Hawkins as a teacher of advanced awareness exemplified in the title, and this is like a long uh, Korean fr- phrase that I'm not even going to try, but it, it uh, translates to foremost teacher of the way to enlightenment, um, which was bestowed upon him in Korea. So that's a little bit of background on Sir David Hawkins, like just this cool old man just going around and helping people find joy, like helping people cultivate um, a life worth humor, a life worth living, alleviating suffering. Um, Cool freaking guy. And I I plan on doing more research on him and ultimately reading his book, Power Versus Force, because it's fascinating to me, this uh, map of consciousness. I've looked at it before. And if you if you go in there and you read, you know, the scale, you can just Google this, the map of consciousness. Um, it'll it'll pop up these all these different numbers. It's a scale from zero to I think a thousand. Let me pull it up for you so I'm not lying to you right now. Map of consciousness. Yeah, here we go. So he wrote a book. He wrote, he literally wrote a book, The Map of Consciousness Explained. Um, and the title is like the subtitle says a proven energy scale to actualize your ultimate potential, which, I mean, this is just my bread and butter. I mean, come on, this is all I care about is how do I level up? How do, how do I make myself better? How do I cultivate sustainable change? You know, and just to get, just to give you just an idea of the things that he talks about on the scale, it goes from zero up to a thousand. And at the bottom is shame. And then there's guilt, apathy, grief. And these are all in the survival paradigm. And then it goes to fear, desire, anger. And then there's this, there's this jump that happens from survival into reason and integrity. And that's the jump from pride to courage. And apparently that's supposed to be like the hardest thing to do, to jump from to go from pride in survival mode into reason and integrity, which takes courage. And then from courage, it goes up to neutrality, willingness, acceptance. And then the next jump is from between reason and love. And reason is in reason and integrity. And love jumps to the spiritual paradigm. And it goes love, joy, peace. And then ultimately, you know, 700 to 1,000 is enlightenment, Right. And it's dope. Like this, this map of consciousness, it talks about, it names the level. It's an energetic log, which is the number zero to a thousand, the predominant emotional state that you're usually in when you're feeling, um, these levels, the, how, what your view of life is when you're in these levels, your God view, and then your process. Um, it's really fascinating. So I just want to share that. Um, and I'm probably definitely going to get into that map of consciousness in later episodes as we kind of get more into the juicy nitty gritty, uh, kind of, you know, tools that I'll be talking about and discussing. Um, but back to gratitude. So I found this quote, um, this article by this uh, this guy named John J. Murphy on mindfulleader.org. And he talks about, uh, he kind of summarizes uh, Hawkins, Hawk, David Hawkins' view on gratitude um, and how important it is and how it works, essentially. I was going to try to read David Hawkins stuff and like watch his videos. And I was like, let me just, again, let me get the cliff notes. Okay. Cause I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bore you to death with lectures, but you can go on YouTube and watch David Hawkins lectures, um, on this channel called, um, his, his publishing channel 
his publishing company who publishes his books called Veritas, V-E-R-I-T-A-S Publishing. They post like clips of all of his stuff. So if you're curious what he looks like, he's this cute old man with a beard and white hair. Um, and he talks about several different kinds of things like illness and self-healing, how to get out of depression. The field is infinitely powerful. What is this, What is the significance of karma? All these different kinds of things. And you watch him talk and you just feel like your grandpa's just telling you a story of how to, you know, be better and do better. And it's just kind of like nice. It's like watching Bob Ross talk about spirituality. I guess that's how I would describe it. <laughs> so anyway, so John J. Murphy wrote this article summarizing gratitude. And there was a section in this article that said, gratitude, a vibe of optimism, growth, and prosperity. It says, Dr. Hawkins explained that everything in the universe has a measurable frequency. Again, that map of consciousness. In terms of human feelings and emotions, these frequencies range from shame, guilt, and grief, the lowest of the frequencies, up to joy, peace, and enlightenment, the highest of the frequencies. Appreciation and gratitude calibrate right up there with joy and peace. Okay, so appreciation appreciation and gratitude calibrate right up there with joy and peace, the top of this map of consciousness scale. So when we are feeling grateful, we are calling for more abundance and prosperity in our lives. Like energy attracts like energy. Feelings of gratitude attract more things into our lives to be grateful for. Like love, the, like love, the more we give, the more we, we receive. While quote-unquote misery loves company, love, appreciation, and joy attract love, appreciation, and joy. So it's essentially a practice of attracting what you are, right? If you are pessimistic, you're going to attract more pessimism. You're going to attract more things to be pessimistic about. If you are grateful, you're going to attract more things to be grateful about. I mean, this is basic science. This is basic law of attraction. Um, and I even wrote in my notes, um, you know, the importance of, of gratitude. Gratitude is important because it's the key to manifesting and living the life that you, that you love. Um, the more you give, the more you receive, the more you give thanks, the more you uh, have things to be thankful for. Same. It's the same thing. So. I want to start this show, even though it's already technically started, just giving, like, today I'm grateful for waking up, okay? And, and this gratitude practice is, as, it can be as simple as that. Today I'm grateful for having eyes that blink. I'm grateful for having a stomach that digests my food. I'm grateful that I, I have access to decaf coffee in the mornings and a lot of honey to sweeten it up, Right. That's, that can be your, that if you are just getting into the practice of gratitude, it can be so simple. Like just pick two or three things like right in front of you that you're grateful for. I'm grateful for this cup, this blender bottle from Whole Foods that is uh, stainless steel. I'm grateful for that cup. I'm grateful for this pen that I'm writing with because I like, I like how the ink flows out of it. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for like all the small stuff, but, but today my, I'm actually grateful for nuance. I'm grateful for my intuition and how tapped in I am to her right now. And she's a her because she's me. And I chose, I say that she is. I'm grateful that I have the tools and ability to make decisions with full confidence. I'm grateful for the the quesadillas that I ate for dinner. I haven't had cheese in five, almost six years. And yesterday I was just like, 
you know what? Screw it. Let me just eat this quesadilla and just see what happens. I just want to. I just want to see what all the hype's about. You know, see if I still like it. That motherfucker slapped, slapped. Okay, filled my belly and put me right to sleep. So that's what I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for nuance. I'm grateful for my conviction to listening to my intuition and trusting my gut. I'm grateful for change. I'm grateful for the light and the dark, baby. I'm grateful for challenge. I'm grateful for, oh my God, like there's so many things that have changed in my life recently. And on paper, it it sounds so bad, but in reality, it gets it's gotten me excited. Like it makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Like when I'm shaking up my shit and I'm and I'm doing I'm doing what feels good and I'm doing what I said I was gonna do. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for integrity. Mm. Yeah. I'm grateful that my actions align with my values. Yeah. And I'm grateful for this voice. I'm grateful for this opportunity to share my voice to scale, you know, for whoever wants to hear it. I'm grateful for my story, which I'm going to share with you in a second. And and that's how I want to start the show every day. And I, I would love for you to do the same. I would love for you to pause this and just sit for a second if you're able. If you're driving, please don't like, you know, slam your brakes and crash into a car. Um, but just take a second and, you know, pause this and and just think of three things you're grateful for. They could be super small, super big, whatever it is. And now that you're back, <laughs> um, awesome. I'm so glad that we can like do this this gratitude thing together because I think you'll find that the smaller the thing you can be grateful for, like just the more present you become. And the more present you become, the more of your actual life you're tapped into and you're actually living. Because something else that uh, Dr. Hawkins uh, speaks about is that, you know, there's no future or past. They don't exist. Right. The only moment we can really live in is the is the right now. Right. And the right now sets you up for the future and and gives you something to look back on and be and be happy about and remember in the past. So yeah, being mindful, being present, being grateful, all things I'm I'm trying to cultivate more of. And hopefully, hopefully it helps you too. That being said, <clears throat> excuse me. I have a couple of life updates. Um, for those of you who know me or those of you who don't, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, give you uh, do my life update segment that I want to do for every show too. Um, so I'm moving to California. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get into the details of where, obviously, for you know safety reasons. But long story short, I'm moving to California at the end of the month and it's for it's for work. I found a job where I basically get to be a photographer videographer in the mountains in California, just like outdoors, hiking, taking pics, doing videos um and it's it's going to be really really fucking cool. Um I'm very excited and for those of you who know me personally, um, 
you know that I, I've been fired recently in a really weird, uh, chaotic way. Details I'm not going to get into, but it just, that instant, that instance just kind of, it was such, like, on paper, again, it, it should have been this thing of, like, oh my god, like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to make money? Like, I was an independent contractor. Like, I don't have anything lined up. But the reality of it was, like, as soon as I got that text, because I was fired through text. LOL. Makes me laugh, too. Um, as soon as I got that text, it was like this weight was just lifted off my shoulders. Like, my gut knew that that's not what I was supposed to be doing anyway. And honestly, the way the world works, I'm sure that the person who fired me, like, they probably were picking up on that. They were probably picking up on the energy that, like, no, I don't belong there. You know, like you were doing me a favor. Thank you so much. Like, and I genuinely mean that. And but like it just was this this massive weight that just lifted off my shoulders. And and instead, instead of like going into a way of thinking that I probably would have in the past of like like freaking out, kind of like what I described earlier. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna make money? Kind of going into straight manic mode. I I went from what I would have done before, been like, oh my God, like it's all on me now. Oh my God. Oh my God. And like freaking out. But instead I surprised myself and I went into, oh my God, like it's all on me now. I can do whatever I want. And it was almost like the exact same words I would have used, but the the connotation behind it, like the energy behind it totally flipped on its head. And I don't know, I can't pinpoint exactly why or when that shift happened but i think it has everything to do with um with just kind of how my year has unfolded um and and i'm going to get into it now and this leads me perfectly into today's like main topic of discussion which is who the hell is kara g right who who am i right this is perfection unfolding with kara g right? If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever. But like, who am I? And and why should you care? Why? Who am I to be a person on the internet just talking to you about, you know, perfection or, or, or perfection unfolding or enlightenment or gratitude or any of these things? And the short, the short version is you're doing it because you want to, you know, just because, just because you can. But the long version is like, I'm just, I'm a person who has been through a bunch of things that have led me here, right? Like we've all been through a bunch of stuff and I feel like we're all on this journey, especially if you found, if you're listening to this podcast, you either know me because this podcast, it's not, like it's, it's not like I'm famous or anything. You know me and you know, you know some of my story and, and you think that there's wisdom to be found in, in, in that. And that's my hope. And so- since that is my goal and since I promised you, you know, some some vulnerability and some anecdotal stories, like I want to go ahead and, and just lay the foundation, lay the groundwork of who I am and what my story is, what I've been through and how I got to how I got here. Right. Who I am, who I've been, who I plan to be and what it looks like in real time of how I'm getting getting there, how I am like actively unfolding my perfection and actively working through my shit and and sifting through my garbage and recycling what's what's good and and uh yeah so let's get into it this is so cool ah! so 
here we go. I'm, I've got some notes here because I listen. You, I'm a little chaotic, so you know I got to stay organized. <clears throat> so who the hell is Kara G? Um, short story. I wrote some notes. Short story. I'm a self-diagnosed recovering people pleaser with ADHD, a big heart, and a burning desire to cultivate a life worth living. To cultivate a sustainable life worth living. Let me correct myself. <sighs> the long story, sort of. Um, or another part of the short story, I value my health and my relationships above everything. And I work my ass off to educate myself and how to do that to the best of my ability. Like a couple years ago, maybe two years ago, possibly three at this point, who knows? It's 2023. A big part of my journey started in 2020, as you can imagine. But a couple of years ago, I was, I had this, you know, basically dark night of the soul. I don't know what else to call it. Just mental, just mental breakdown where I was just like, who the fuck am I? Like, who am I? What am I doing? Like, what are these habits that I have? Like, where do they come from? Like, why do I let these kinds of things happen? Why am I people pleasing over here? All this stuff. And when I kind of came through that, and I'm going to get into it in a little bit, in a little bit, but when I came out of that, I just, I realized what was important to me and what I valued the most. And that is my health and my relationships. Everything else is extra. Everything else is cherries on top, icing on the cake. But like my cake, like the thing that I think matters the most, that I value the most, that I hold to the highest standard for myself and for the people who I surround myself with, my relationships and my health. And as soon as I had that clarity, everything else Everything else worked itself out. Um, I think that's really cool. So that's kind of the short story. I'm I, I'm a recovering people pleaser. I've had undiagnosed ADHD my entire life. And for those of you who have diagnosed ADHD, congratulations. Um, I I just I'm a I'm a third generation, at least from where I can track um, undiagnosed ADHD uh, person in my family. There could be some autism going on there. I don't know. Listen, if everything's a spectrum, and I think of a spectrum in a circle, not so much in a straight line, we all got a we all got a little something, something going on. We all got a little spice going on, you know. Um, depending on where you fall on that spectrum, I just like to think that I'm just I'm just a little special. That's all. Just a little special, you know. My brain's just always working, thinking, and making patterns, and <sighs> coping with weird little idiosyncrasy, you know. But I, Things I used to resent about myself, now I think are dope. Um, things I used to think were annoying and unhelpful, now I'm like, nah, that's my superpower. Yeah, cool. Like, this is just who I am. This is just what I'm about now. Dope. And who's for me is for me, and who's not, fuck off. <laughs> With love, respectfully, obviously. Um, so anyway, so let's get into the long story. So, <sighs> I am essentially a military brat. I grew up not even doing the cool stuff that military brats got to do. I never got to live in Germany. I never got to live, you know, in Korea or do anything cool like some of my friends. I just, I moved to Texas when I was a kid. My dad went overseas and he stayed overseas for like eight years, seven or eight years. So I was, you know, my parents were together that whole time. But really, when you grow up in a military house in a military town, uh, you get you get two things. Um, 
you get a super diverse group of friends. Like I was the vanilla bean white chocolate of my friend, my, my friend group of all these beautiful different shades of brown women, you know? Um, and then the second thing you get is uh, daddy issues. <laughs> and I laugh about that because it's just true. It's just when your dad's gone for eight years of your childhood, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, dope. I get to see dad four weeks a year. Cool. This is totally normal. My parents never see each other. I never see my dad. Like he calls every day because my, my dad's an interesting man and we'll get into that too. But, you know, as I've got old, gotten older, I'm like, oh, that's actually not the most normal setup. Pretty good. Great childhood. Uh, I have no real complaints, but as I've gotten older again, some issues have come up and I'm like, oh yeah, that's like probably not the most helpful coping mechanism. Um, but we're working through it. We're working through it. So yeah, so grew up military brat, <clears throat> didn't move around a whole lot, but moved around just enough to be confused and to feel out of place and to feel like a loner, but not a loner who was alone, a loner in like a group, massive group of people. Right. Um, I was the middle, I'm, I'm the middle of three, of three kids. So naturally that manifested as me working for every ounce of attention that I ever got. And not, not for no reason. I mean, when I say work for my attention, I mean, I was in dance. I was in theater. I was in band. I was in volleyball. I was in community theater. I was in school theater. I did, I was in high school dance. I was in out of, I was in studio dance. I did, I did everything everything you could not tell me no and remember add adhd right so you could not tell me no i was getting all the dopamine from every direction and still somehow managed to keep like okay grades like a's and b's and the occasional c which i never did my homework and i never tried you know until the very last minute which again time blindness adhd right um, but I did all the things. So I, I worked for my applause and I was going to make sure that people looked at me and they watched me and they were going to tell me I was great. Like that was my thing. That was my thing of like, uh, you will not ignore me. You will see me and you will, you will praise me. And that's going to how, that's how I'm going to get my, my fix. You know, that's how I'm going to get my love and affection. And it worked. I mean, people freaking, I started, I started hip hop dancing when I was in the fourth grade. And it was a wrap. That was it. That was it for me. That was how I was going to like win over everybody. And it and it worked. I mean, I was in I was in a middle I was in a military town in the middle of Texas. And it was dope because again, the diverse friend the diverse friend group. I mean, there was, you know, biracial people all over the place. There, you know, there was black people and, and Mexican people and Asian people and white people and because, you know, military towns, people are always coming and going and they're coming from all over the place. And I thought that that was normal, you know, and it was awesome because I, I was I learned how to, I learned how to hip hop dance and I kept getting better and better. So like in my group of friends, you know, I was like, I'm Kara G or I'm Kara, the white girl who can dance, uh, the white girl with the ass. You know, one summer I basically I went from being chubby and tubby uh and then all that that belly fat just went straight to my tits and my ass and when I turned 12. And I don't know, I don't know why or how, but that just that put me on. That put me on. Like people were like, oh, care with the ass, care who can dance. I was just this, you know, white little hip hop girl who wore 
freaking bag like no well i didn't always wear baggy clothes but i would wear hip-hop clothes like hip-hop clothes to school like i would wear lime green i wear my lime green like nike uh i don't even know what what type of nike shoe was probably air force ones um my lime green basketball shorts my lime green top like t-shirt and this is 2007 so you know the neon colors were totally in um but i did it but it was like i was the billy eilish before billy eilish right like i i was wearing the oversized tee and the basketball shorts as a white girl with like my little scarf and i wore a vest every day just an eccentric kid okay and i ate that shit up i ate that attention up oh my god did i eat it up i would pretend to hate it but deep down i was just like give me more give me more um so i did all the things um again dancing singing i did all the sports anything to get me out of class really anything to get me on a bus in the middle of the day to go somewhere i even tried pole vaulting you guys i and listen i i did one practice uh oh well i did a couple practices they actually let me compete which was really really sad on their part because i was so bad i was so bad that in practice one day i because i can't run very fast so i was like jogging um when i was i was trying to approach the the vault to to go over and I I, can't, I should you know I slow motion I slow motion I went up like a whole foot and then slow motion twisted fell and then the pole ricocheted into my into my cooter and that shit hurt so bad and my coach thought that was just the funniest thing oh man you you would have thought I was a comedian so anyway so I did all the things um and this kind of informs my childhood right so I, i'm i'm running around i'm doing way too much and and my mom's enabling me she's just like whatever you want honey because listen when when you're a single mom raising three kids and your husband's overseas and you're and you're working full-time like you have mom guilt and she's told me about this she's like, you have mom guilt you don't want to say no to your kids and she didn't say no to us and 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 when i look back i'm like damn like i was i was burned out at age 12 right i was burned out from age like 12 all the way through college and i didn't i didn't know what balance was i didn't know what rest was i didn't know that that wasn't a sustainable way to live you know and be healthy but neither did my mom you know she and that's and i don't blame her for that at all like she was doing the best she could with with the tools she had and she didn't have a whole lot of tools right um and also i was ornery as hell you couldn't tell me anything you couldn't tell me anything. If I wanted to do it, I was going to figure out how to do it. If I wanted to go somewhere, I was going to make sure all my chores were done and that my I made it to to a point where my mom couldn't say no to me, right? And when she would say no, I would freak out. I would be like, I would, you guys, it was, it was bad. I used to have temper tantrums and I would like scream on my pillow and I would, you know, very gently throw shoes at my wall because I didn't want to break any of my stuff. And I would just have these like obnoxious, obnoxious screaming temper tantrums in my room. Like, nobody loves me. Why do you hate me? Which, you know, makes sense that I was in drama because I was a very dramatic, very sensitive child. And being on stage, you know, singing and yelling and screaming, it just made sense for me. Um, so that's like my early childhood. I idolized my mom. Um my dad i loved the shit out of my dad and i wanted so desperately like for him to um i wanted his approval for everything right he, like he was my dad like i was a little princess and every time he'd come home like it'd be good for like two days but 
my dad was in the military and not only that my dad was traumatized when he was a kid like his dad beat the shit out of him and totally would have totally been in prison if 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 he was held to today's standards for for parenthood he would have been in prison for a long time um so that was my dad's childhood so he did what he could but but he scared the shit out of me and it was one of those things where uh you know, my mom was the my mom was the empathetic one. She was the level-headed, grounded one, and my dad was the hothead. Like he was the guy with PTSD, not just from the military, but from his childhood. And and as you can imagine, like he would be home. He'd come home from war for two weeks. So, what do you think is going to happen? Like you can't recalibrate to to society in two freaking weeks, bro. Like he'd come home, he'd be good, he'd sleep for two three days, he'd you know wake up from jet lag and he'd see a sock on the floor and he'd freak the fuck out. He would just like scream at us and, and intimidate us. And, and now that I'm an adult, I know that he wasn't, he wasn't doing it on purpose. I mean, that's just the way he, that was his coping mechanism. But listen, it did a number on me, my brother and my sister. And I very quickly realized that the way to, to survive that is by people pleasing. And I, I copied my mom's form of, survival to a t like my brother his his coping mechanism was flight right my sister's coping mechanism was uh freeze she just shuts she just shuts down and my coping mechanism was fawn so i'm going to like fawn my way out of the situation that's what i learned from my mom just just ignore it you know let 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 him go be mad you know everyone gets upset we go to our rooms and then an hour later we come out and we pretend like everything's fine everything's back to normal and that was that's how I dealt with things from that from from moving on, like moving forward. I just would fawn or I I manipulate the situation to where, you know, I would try to make sure I did everything humanly possible so that so that he wouldn't blow up at me or he wouldn't get mad or he wouldn't have an episode or get triggered. And as you can imagine, that's not a very healthy, sustainable way to live. Like walking around on eggshells in your household. Not helpful, really, especially when you're a child and like you don't know anything else. Not helpful, but it's your only way of life, and you do what you got to do to survive, and that's what I did. So that happened, you know that that was all the way through through my childhood, and then, <clears throat> and then I moved to the East Coast, um, and my dad came home from overseas, and then we all lived in the house together full time, but. Luckily for me, at this point, you know, he left for the first time when I was nine. And I saw him for four weeks every year until I was 16. And so when I was 16, I moved from, you know, this diverse community with people of all shapes, sizes, colors, you know, backgrounds and religions to literally the middle middle of nowhere in Maryland. Amish country. Like, that's how, that's how in the middle of nowhere we lived and as you can imagine um it snows all year round in that area if you know what i mean it's just all white people just a lot of white people yeah um which was fine it just was a culture shock it it just it just it shocked me like i didn't know that there were actually places in the world that were still so like I don't know, singular, I, I, culturally, like culturally undiverse 
which I guess makes sense. I mean, you only know what what you grew up in, but until you see something else. And and this was a shock to me. Like there was no dance team. There was no like like in Texas. If anybody, if you know anything about about Texas schools, like they they go hard, right? They, these schools are massive. Like I went to what would be considered now like a pretty medium sized school, but at the time it was pretty big. I went to a, a five six five a six a school where my class was six hundred people. And then I moved to Maryland and my class was like a hundred kids. And that was the biggest class that had come through that school since the eighties or something. And, you know, so again, there was no dancing. There was no, like, there was no, nothing really super special about the school. They, they didn't have classes dedicated to band or classes dedicated to theater. They just kind of did everything after school. Like, and what was funny is it was, it was just like, it was just like the movies. Like I'd never seen a movie where, people talk about, you know, Texas high school culture, right? Because everything happens on the e- on the East or the West Coast. But then I moved to the East Coast and I'm like, oh, this is just like small town Maryland. Like this is, there's TV shows about stuff like this, you know? Um, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, so I show up on the first day of school with like, you know, again, I was this, I was kind of this like little bit of a, people knew me at my school in Texas. Like I was the white girl who could dance. I was the I was Kara, Kara Campbell, like the white girl with the ass. Like that was just kind of my reputation. Like people just, I was fun loving. I, I was goofy as hell. And I, I wore really bold clothes. And I, there was a time where I was wearing like a red bold lip and a winged eyeliner every day with a, with a string of pearls. Okay. I looked like, like Lucille Ball. Like I looked like I love Lucy, but just like the kid version. I would wear polka dotted dresses to school. Again, if I wasn't dressed up like like a hip hop dancer, I would be like decked out. I'd wear dresses, and it was just like every day was a fashion show. It was so fun. I would, but I had a fully beat face every day with my little CoverGirl uh, foundation, um, <laughs> which just cracks me up. So naturally, I show up to school. Uh, I show up to school with this like really cute outfit like my hair's all scrunched up the way that I used to do it back in the day and I would have more in this bright red lipstick and this winged eyeliner and this cute like sage green top with my cute little lace vest and my my bell-bottom jeans with my cute little tan oxford shoes like you you couldn't tell me anything I thought I was a fashionista and I walk into class and and everybody's wearing their just like you know tank tops and shorts or their north faces i don't know what what the hell they were wearing but just you know regular everyday clothes and i could just see people's faces they were like who the hell is this girl like who does this girl think she is like where did she come from because my thought process was if i'm gonna do this if i'm gonna move across the country and i'm gonna be sad and i'm gonna be pissed like i might as well make an impression right like i'm and as as self-conscious as i was when i was younger like I was never self-conscious about, about, about that. I don't know. I, I had this weird, I had this weird kind of like, I had a, I don't know, delusion about myself. I, I don't know what it is. I think it was, I, my ego was definitely built up because, because of all the people who, who boosted me for my dance ability and like my, I don't know. It just, I had a really solid community of people lifting me up when I was a kid. My mom being my biggest my biggest cheerleader. I mean, my dad is my biggest cheerleader too, but my mom I I just I was around that more. And she just thought that I I, I could do no wrong. She thought she just thought that 
I mean, I was a turd and I was a brat, but in terms of my personhood, like my mom always told us, uh, the, me and my my two siblings, that you know she was our biggest fan and that we were just the coolest. We were just the coolest people and that she enjoyed our company and and so and listen, that bled through. That bled through into everything that I did and including me running for class student class president on like my second week of school. <laughs> I move across the country. And I go to this new school and they they announced that they were doing, um, you know, like the, the class president election or whatever. And I, I really had the balls. I ran. I made posters. I had a slogan. It said new, new student, new ideas. And I made, it was neon green posters with like hot pink letters. And I put, I put my headshot on there. You couldn't tell me anything. And, you know, did I win? Absolutely not. That was, that's insane. But I, bet your ass everybody on that campus knew who Kara, who Kara Campbell was um so that's kind of like my foundation right like that's kind of my like you know absent kind of emotionally abusive father um again we're on good terms now like I have no beef with my dad but this is just the truth right he got he did what he could with the tools he had right and I and I have the understanding now um so I have that going on in the background. I've got my ADHD, which, you know, made me struggle in school, but I still managed to kind of like skid under the radar. Um, all that's happening. And then I have all like these extracurricular activities I'm doing uh, outside of the classroom that really boosted my confidence and made me feel like I had a purpose and I had a place and I had like, I had like, I had something to contribute. But all while, like, I'm having, I'm having like mental breakdowns every year because I'm so burnt out. <clears throat> And I think that I'm, I think I have a dumb complex. I think that I'm stupid because, you know, my teachers never tested me to be in GT classes, but I was friends with all those people. And, and I thought, and I felt like my teachers thought I was stupid because I talked a lot. Like, I'm telling you, like, I talked so much because again, ADD, like dopamine deficiency, like these, if I'm sitting in a classroom for too long, I'm pissed. Like I'm bored. I'm trying to distract myself. I'm trying to dissociate anything to keep me from like having to pay attention. Um, and so I would talk and I would distract people. And I even had a fourth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Mr. Porter. Hi, Mr. Porter. If you're still out there, you're my favorite teacher. Um, he's like the only teacher I ever had who understood what I needed. And I remember in fourth grade, I would always be wiggling around. Like that was the year I learned how to, I learned how to tap dance. And when I learned how to tap dance, I was, a, I was a problem. Okay. I'll be the first one to tell you. I was tip tapping all up in those hallways, just making a ruckus. And um, I would be distracting to other kids because I sat at the front of the class, kind of closest to his desk. So, you know, he could kind of keep tabs on me. And he ended up moving me to the back of the class so that I could stand up while I did my work. And that was the first time I think any I had any teacher really see that I wasn't stupid, that I wasn't a problem, that I was doing my work. I just did it differently. Like I just needed something different to help me um, with that. So if you're a teacher and you got, you got some kids, some, some, some students who, you know, are of the female variety who are a little bit distracted and a little bit talkative, like, you know, maybe that could help them. Maybe they're ADD and they just need a little bit of understanding. Right. So anyway, so it was like this good stuff. And then it was still like this negative stuff and which all of us have that, right. All of us have I'm sure there's a silver lining in all of our stories as well as like a, a shit lining, if you will. Um, yeah. And, and so, but like the, the stuff that I, the stuff that I was going through that was negative, 
uh, manifested in like a bunch of different, well, a bunch of different ways. Like it manifested into me people pleasing. Um, it manifested into me being afraid of men. Like I didn't like being perceived. Um, I didn't like, I actually hated um, the attention I got for my body. Like I, I'd been sexualized for my, for my, you know, my tits and my ass since I was 12 years old. Like I, I got hit on by, by 30 year olds at Subway when I was 15 with braces, you know? And I hated that. I just felt so gross. I felt, which I think most women can, can relate to just being objectified against your own, against your will. It just does not feel good. I, I got hit on by a guy at, at a red lobster when I was 14. Again, braces. It's just weird, just weird stuff. I just, I hated that shit. I just, I didn't want to be perceived. I didn't, I didn't trust men. I, I, I was a people pleaser. I had a food addiction. Like that's up until a couple years ago. I mean, I still struggle with sugar, but like that was my drug of choice was, was food addiction. And not only that, but in high school, I started partying and I started drinking because that was the only way that I knew how to make friends out there. Like I didn't have a community of people who danced. I didn't have a community of people who who understood me or who understood just living in a military town. Like the thing about living in a military town is that all you have, all everybody's got daddy issues or mommy issues. Cause they're, they've got, they've, everyone's got an absent parent somehow. So you have this like shared trauma, I guess. And nobody really asked any questions, but in Maryland, that wasn't the case. Like I was living around with people. I was going to school with people whose parents have lived there for generations, you know, whose family lived there for generations, whose parents knew each other and, you know, went to cookouts and, got drunk on holidays together, you know? So I just felt like an oddball. And there were a couple people who were my lifeline, uh, other oddballs, if you will. Shout out, you know who you are if you're listening to this. Um, yeah, but I started drinking and partying just so I could fit in. And and not just that, but just disassociate from how burnt out I was and how like sad I was. And I didn't know where any of it was coming from. And, you know, I went off to college and I kept doing the same thing. And and when I, and I, because I, st I stopped dancing, um, when I was in high school, I went to college and I danced in college and I was dancing for my freshman year, you know, three to five hours a day, um, or working out at least five hours a day, but I was eating four times more than that. Like when I was, when I went off to college, like I thought I had bad eating habits when I was in high school, but it was bad. I mean, I was living off Nutella and French bread and Every once in a while, when I was feeling healthy, I'd buy a rotisserie chicken, you know, and just eat that for a couple of days. But it was so like my I was so disassociated from my body and from my needs because my mom, my mom didn't know, really, didn't really know how to cook. She had a, she had a negative relationship with vegetables growing up. And my dad was the one who, you know, cooked more like, I don't know, made healthier meals, but he wasn't around. So, you know, I ate a lot of sugar when I was a kid and I ate. Like just a lot of sh just a lot of shit food. We had a lot of fast food because when I was dancing and I was doing all that stuff, and you know, my mom had to drive through places because we didn't have time to go home and cook. I would literally be going from practice at six a.m. and then I wouldn't get home till eleven o'clock or midnight sometimes because my schedule was that jam packed. <clears throat> so I ate a lot of fast food, and and I I carried that on into college, and in college I um. I, I, it got so bad to where I would, people would bring like extra cookies and brownies up from the cafeteria for everyone to share. And I would just be like, bring them here. Come on. Mama will eat them all. And I would just, I would eat like cookies and brownies all day. Cause these, 
these my sophomore junior year even the senior year like these freshmen would just you know they want to come in and make a good impression and and i let them i let them i just ate all the things i would eat like i would all day long i'd sit in this office doing my homework or working or whatever and i would just eat fun size snickers bars like two two every 20 minutes you know for five hours a day and so i i gained some weight i gained probably about 50 pounds and i got so 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 sad and not just sad from from eating and not just sad from the alcohol and not just sad from feeling alone but just everything right it's kind of like everything came to a head when i was in college because again i stopped dancing after my freshman year i didn't have any hobbies i didn't date anyone i think i had a high school boyfriend for about a year and a half and we broke up my freshman year and and it just everything got really dark everything got really dark and even though i had friends and even though i was going out and i was having a, a quote unquote good time i just the more i drank them and the sadder i got them the more aggressive i'd get when i would when i would drink like the more angry i'd become and i just i started turning into this person that i didn't know and to be honest i don't know if i ever knew myself um and i didn't i did not like what i saw in the mirror i did not like like my my physical body was just a manifest a manifestation of what was happening inside of of my mind um and it was bleak and you know and i know that we make this like weird deal of, about you know suicidal ideation but i feel like a lot, if you've ever been if you've ever been that sad like you've thought about it i mean i've thought about it it's like it was like a regular thought it wasn't a regular thought of like i'm actually gonna do it but i would think about like there was a point where i was just like wow like the world would be better without me like i'm a piece of shit like that was a thought i actually had you know because what was i doing to contribute what was i doing what was the point i had i couldn't think of a point I just felt like I was turning my wheels and spinning my wheels and just eating to feel better and drinking to feel better and just doing anything to disassociate from my pain. And from there, I, I graduated college. And what was weird was that what kind of brought me out of it a little bit was I started looking into how to cure my ADHD, cure my ADHD, which I don't think you can, but how to, how to help with my ADHD. Because mind you, while all of this stuff is happening, like, th like the through line throughout my life was like, I would have, I would have a mental breakdown once a year from burnout. Right. And it always happened in November. And I always chalked it up to seasonal depression, which that was part of it too, I'm sure. But I just really struggled. I really thought I was stupid. I really thought that like this ADHD was like the bane of my existence and that that's why I was eating so much and that's why I had bad grades. And, and if I had just gotten medicated, maybe I would have been better. Maybe I would have been smarter. And, um, and so my senior, my senior year, like before, right before I graduated, I started looking into like, how can I help my ADHD, you know, with medication because I was like, maybe I'll go to the doctor. Maybe I'll finally get medicated. Because, you know, Adderall was being slung left and right in college. People people who didn't even have ADHD were taking Adderall and, and studying and, you know, getting good grades to my knowledge. And I had taken half an Adderall once. And I felt like I was in that movie, like, limitless. Like, I felt like I had access to my brain that I'd never accessed before. 
And that was only half of an Adderall. And I wrote a 15 page paper in three hours, you know? And I'm like, God damn, is this what I could have been doing the whole time, bro? Like, I just have access to my thoughts. Like, this is crazy. So I started looking into it and I kept, I found article after article that was like, you know, sure you can get medicated, but you also need to take care of yourself. Like, yeah, you're, you might have ADHD and you might be struggling, but have you gotten, have you looked into your sleep? Have you looked into your, your eating habits? Have you looked into, are you dehydrated? Like, how are your relationships? And it, all these articles were just like talking about like, yeah, you can medicate, but like do that with taking care of yourself. Right. And so I told myself, I said, okay. And this is kind of how I got into like health. I told myself, okay, I'm going to try this health thing first. And then if it's still bad, I'll look into medication. Right. Uh, spoiler alert. I've never been medicated. So the health thing worked. Right. And, and so that led me into like basically a come to Jesus meeting with myself. So I spent a couple months. I, the first thing I did was I cut out dairy because I was like, my skin's so bad. I'm going to, I'm going to cut out dairy and see what happens. And then I'm going to, you know, start cooking more meals. And then I'm going to start, you know, uh, eating more vegetables and just, just really trying. And I was kind of, do, I was doing okay. You know, I'd lost a little bit of weight. It wasn't about the weight though. It was just about me feeling better in my body. And, <clears throat> and so that I, one day I sat down, this is, this is in the fall. So I, I did, I already graduated. I lost a little bit of weight. I started my first job, which was way more active than I had ever been. Like my first job was in journalism. So I was, you know, I was clocking miles every day, just walking, you know, covering football games, covering, you know, baseball games, just, just walking, walking through parks to get random, you know, photos of whatever was going on. So I, you know, I was feeling a little bit better, but then I watched this documentary called what the health and some of you guys might remember that it came out in like 2017. It came out in the fall. And I remember watching that documentary. And it probably wasn't the documentary. That was just the catalyst for what was about to happen. And what happened as soon as I watched that documentary, because it was about, um, about you know, the, the, the food industry and, and, you know, the cows being slaughtered and the pigs and what's happening to our water and just all, basically advocating to stop eating animals, essentially. Advocating a vegan a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. And I remember seeing that because at this point I was a straight up carnivore. I lived on on quesadillas and steak and chicken and and deli meats. I ate a lot of deli meat. I freaking loved club sandwiches. And I, I couldn't tell you when the last vegetable I consumed was. Like I, I didn't have a relationship with vegetables. I thought they were nasty. I'd have to choke them down when I when I try to attempt to eat them. It was just I was just made of sugar, spice and everything chubby, you know? And so I watched the documentary and, and as soon as I was done, it just, it shook me to my core. Um, and I remember going into the bathroom, looking myself in the mirror, kind of being disgusted with myself, right? Because I really hadn't made that much of a change in my life. I remember looking at myself and saying to myself, how dare you? Like, how dare you not take care of this body? How dare you treat it so badly? You don't give it sleep. You don't give it water. You don't give it f healthy food. You don't take it outside. You don't exercise it. 
How dare you? And it was this moment where I was crying. And I would just, for the first time, I really saw myself. And I really saw how asleep I had been to all of the, the things I was doing to myself. I was asleep to all the choices I had been making. I was unconscious to them. And that was the first time that I woke up. And I was, I just remember being, it was, I was just at my grandparents' house by myself, just watching, watching the documentary. And for whatever reason, it just sparked this, this thing in me, this like, it woke me the fuck up to my, to my shit and what I had been doing to myself. I had been treating myself like garbage. I had been getting drunk like every other day. I had been just binge eating shit and sugar and feeling like garbage, but then being confused why I feel like garbage. Like make, make it make sense, you know? And I told myself, I was like, you know, during this conversation where I'm staring at myself in the mirror and like crying and I'm so pissed at myself. I'm so angry. Like, and I was just so hurt. I was so hurt by the way that I had been treating myself and so hurt that like I was squandering such this, such a beautiful life. You know, at this point I was 23 and I had spent 23 years people pleasing and binge eating and, and walking on eggshells and living in survival mode and doing all this stuff. And, and I was finally tired of my own shit. I was finally tired of making excuses. And from that day forward, I told myself, I said, you're vegan now. This is how you're going to heal yourself. This is how you're going to make change. I don't want to hear anything about it. No ifs, ands, or buts. You're, you're fucking doing this, period. I love you and you're going to act like it. <laughs> I was a little bitch to myself. But in a good way, it was like the tough love I needed. It was the tough love that nobody else was going to give me, right? It was the tough love that it was just love. It was just conscious love and I needed it. And so I gave it to myself. And from that, that moment forward for five years, I was vegan. And within three weeks of eating vegetables and trying to learn how to cook, I was craving vegetables. I was craving health right? I started eating beans. Like I used to, I used to gag when I would smell beans being cooked in a, in the house somewhere. And then, and you know, now I'm just like, give them to me, give me all the beans, you know? And it was just crazy. And that was the catalyst. That was, that was my first, I would say spiritual awakening. My first wake up call of, if you don't make a change, you're going to die. And not die because I kill myself, but just you're just going to die like unhealthy. Like you're shaving off years of your of your precious life. Like if I would have kept going down the route, the road I was going, I would have been diabetic within a matter of years. Absolutely. Because I'm already pre, pre, uh, predisposed because my family, my everyone in my family's got diabetes. Or I would have had I just something just if it wasn't that I would just, I just would have continued being deeply depressed. Because I've absolutely ebbed and flowed in and out of anxiety and depression my whole life and at that point um I was definitely depressed for sure I was definitely in a state of depression chronic I'm sure but now now I know it was situational because I was putting myself in the situation of course you're going to be depressed if you're not feeding yourself well and you're not sleeping and you're not getting sunlight like naturally that's a natural response that the body that the body takes 
to wake you up to your shit. So from there, um, you know, I just, I just focused for six, seven months on only eating healthier. That was it. I wasn't going to put the pressure on myself to work out. I wasn't going to put the pressure on myself to, you know, do whatever, because again, going back to my childhood, another part of my story is I had disordered eating my whole life. I did not know that th- that binge eating was disordered eating until like two years ago, but I would binge and restrict and binge and restrict and binge and restrict from the time I was like probably 10 until yeah, like three years ago, three, four years ago. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I didn't, cause my mom, my mom did that and she would do crash diets. She's done crash diets my whole life. And that's what I would do. I would do crash diets where I would come home and eat ham and mustard for dinner and then go to school and eat tuna fish and and lettuce and that would that's that would do, be what I did to lose weight as a teenager you know and then whenever I would mess up I would just totally binge on sugar and it was just bad and then you can imagine like with anxiety and depression like binge eating makes you feel real good until it makes you feel like shit you know um because I, I didn't turn to sex or drugs to make me feel better I turned to food um and then eventually alcohol And when I would drink alcohol, I would binge the shit out of that alcohol and I would be gross and I'd pass out and it was terrible. So anyway, so that was my first, like I would say awakening to myself was in 2017 when I, when I watched that documentary and had that come, that come to Jesus meeting with myself. Um, and from there that informed pretty much how I moved, that changed how I moved to the world forever for the better. Um, I would say that my you know, a couple of years went by and as I started kind of feeling more in, in my body and more at one with myself, um, I started dating. Right. And I had a high school boyfriend, but up until a high school boyfriend, like I didn't like being perceived by men. I didn't trust them. I didn't like them. They made me feel un- uneasy. They made me feel like gross. But, you know, I kind of I grew up a little bit. I didn't date at all the whole time I was in college. I didn't talk to anybody. I was just too busy being depressed and, and sad. And uh, and I was fatter. So like people don't give a, they don't care about fat people like um, and the people that I found attractive, they certainly thought I, they didn't think I was I was hot, you know, but I also didn't feel like I was in my body. Like I didn't feel like I was in the body that that made sense for me, you know, but then as I started eating healthier and cooking more and eating vegetables and researching how to be better and do better and I and I kind of started working out I started feeling stronger and I started feeling like a person again I started feeling like Kara again and I couldn't remember the last time I felt like Kara I couldn't remember I might I could have I might have been a kid who knows but I felt like for like the first time in my adulthood that I was beginning to feel like me like the Kara G who's talking now um and so with that, I had more confidence and I was like, you know what? Like, I like me now. I like me because I'm, I've built a reputation with myself and I've built an integrity with myself. And, and I like that. I like who I'm becoming. And so I felt more confident um, to like date and to reach out to people and be like, hey, you know, I just felt more curious and I felt more alive and I felt more ready to, to put myself out there. And so I did. And I met, you know, I met someone and, you know, we related and we weren't on the same page. And so then I, I put my foot down and then we stopped relating. 
only for me to turn right back around and start relating again, even though I knew it was bad for me because this was the first person that I had liked or I had had interest in since I was in high school. So I was just so confused why it wasn't working out. And I was so confused, like why they didn't think I was as special as I was, you know? Um, and it just turns out like, you know, I, they, I was an, I found out that I was an anxiously attached person, which, you know, makes sense because hashtag daddy issues, right? I was always seeking for that, that approval. And I was always seeking for that specialness and treat me the way that I know that I'm supposed to be treated. Damn it. You know, but they were avoidant. And that was a really hard lesson to learn essentially because, I mean, especially because I, you know, I'd always been taught if the action, like if like actions are, are, are louder than words. So I, I, I took this person's actions and I put all of the weight on there. And I was like, wow, like they're giving me boyfriend and they're, and they're, we're doing all these things together and we're dating and we're like having a good time. And, but they weren't giving me any of the words. And that's why I was like, I was like, well, that's okay. Cause the actions are there. And like, ultimately like, that whole situation got me fucked up because if the actions and the words don't match, like you're in hot water, my guy. But you know, I didn't date for all, all in college. And I, I had a lot to catch up on. I had a lot to learn. And that was absolutely a learning lesson. And it broke my heart. Like it made me so sad. Um, and they were really, they were, they were nice to me. Like the way that they treated me was really messed up. But also now that I'm older and I'm wiser, like I allowed it to happen. Right. And so from there, like my story kind of just goes from it, it goes from like me hating myself to me loving myself to me trying to share that with somebody. And and the more that I the more that I elevated and I took care of myself, like the stronger my my power kind of became. And the more I loved myself and I was like, oh, my God, I love myself so much. Like what would happen if I found somebody else who like loved themselves? Like then we could just amplify this shit. And then cut to 2020. <laughs> so at this point, you know, I was a journalist and I was kind of over it and not over it because I, the work, but over it because it just, you didn't make any money. And I, and I wanted to do something big and I wanted to be able to, I learned very quickly. <coughs> <coughs> Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not going to cut any of this audio. So if you heard that, sorry. Um, I choked on my own spit. But anyway, as a journalist, I was just over not making any money. And, and I had a lot of goals for myself. I had a lot, I had this like vision that, you know, and I understood very, very early on that money buys you happy, uh, not happiness, but money buys you freedom. So I was like, I want to be free. I don't want to just be making $13 an hour my whole life even though I loved being a journalist. So I got a new job. I moved out to Dallas and then a worldwide pandemic hit. <laughs> like I bought my, I, I signed a lease and everything. And I just, I just thought, oh, like COVID will be over, you know, soon enough. Like remember when everyone thought it was in the last two weeks? Yeah. LOL. What a time. So COVID happened. So then now I'm out here in Dallas. I don't know anybody. Everyone's on TikTok. Like that's like the only community you have because you literally can't leave your house or do anything. And I I met this guy on on the apps on I think Hinge. I'm not sponsored, and I will never be on the dating apps ever again. <laughs> but there was a time where I was on the apps, and I met this guy, and 
mind you, like I am this person now who loves myself and I think I'm so cool and I'm and I love my personality and I love what I'm doing because I'm taking care of myself and I've I've got this relationship with myself where I'm like, I'm dope. And anybody with a brain would would see that too, you know? And so I meet this guy. Let's just call him H. <clears throat> and we start like, you know, talking in the app and and we're chit-chatting back and forth. And and very quickly I realized, like, oh, like this guy thinks he thinks that I'm great too. Dope. Like the last guy I tried dating didn't appreciate my greatness. And I was like, he's an idiot, you know? But like this guy does. And this guy. And very quickly, my life became about dating for a while because I had kind of been in a good flow of with like my health and like exercising and eating. And I, I would bounce back and forth because, I mean, COVID, you were lonely. Like if you didn't gain a COVID 20 pounds, I mean, were you really alive? I don't think so. Um, if you ha- obviously this is not to be insensitive to everything that happened during COVID. But if you were somebody like me who was just working from home and, you know, just hanging out. Um, I actually had a, I actually had a wonderful time in COVID because I had a lot of time to sit with myself. But anyway, so this guy was just, he just like kind of, he kind of just was like, wow, you're amazing. And like, we have all this stuff in common. And he was actually a person who started introducing me to some of the spiritual, spiritual, like woo woo stuff that I was, I was kind of, I was kind of dabbling in like into astrology. And I had heard about tarot cards, but I still had this like trauma that like it was for the devil you know and like astrology was for the devil and witchcraft is for the devil and all this like christian trauma um but he kind of introduced me to some of that stuff to tarot and to into meditation and to more like spirituality centered topics and essentially our first date lasted like 36 hours um we were just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and oh my god and oh my god and this and this and this and this and he was like, wow, you're fantastic. You're amazing. Like, and I was like, thank you. I know, you know, ha. <clears throat> but, and we dated for like two months, right? And it was like this whirlwind romance. Like, this is the first man I ever met who thought I was as great as I thought I was. And, and then very quickly, like maybe like two weeks in, like we were saying, I love you to each other. Like we were camping, like we had this we talked about how like how we had dreams and we manifested this and like we called each other in and we were twin flames and we were all this stuff. Well, like three weeks after that, he just starts like nitpicking me and like basically what I now understand is that he had love bombed me. And if you know anything about love bombing, it's narcissists usually do it because they they choose to they idolize you. They put you on a pedestal. And then once you start actually dating, like their view, their perception of you gets like warped and then they see who you really are. And they're like, oh, I actually don't like you very much. And it's not because you did anything different. It's just because they changed their perception of you. And so, and we only dated, so we only dated for two months, but in those two months, like he ended up like moving in with my family. Like it was just weird. It was a very weird thing. And it made me, when I came out of that, it made me feel, I felt so gross. I felt so gross that I had let somebody into my life who was so sticky. Like, he had this, like, he was a narcissist. And we, even when we broke up, 
I was such a people pleaser. Like he's literally telling me, I think I'm a narcissist. We need to break up because both of his parents were narcissists. <clears throat> and I and I was such a people pleaser and I was so like desperate to hold on to like the idea of this thing that I was like, no, like we can work it out. Like we don't have to do this. Like we don't have to break up. Like we can figure it out. Just and a week after that happened, I was so grossed out with myself. I was so disgusted by my behavior because I just I sat back. I had a week to think about it before he picked up the rest of his stuff from my apartment. And I was just like, ew, I really let this man talk to me the way he talked to me. He like started belittling me, right? Like three weeks in, he started belittling me and everything that he liked about me, he started nitpicking and he started, he started being, he started like judging me about it. And like, I wasn't meditating right. And I wasn't journaling right. And I wasn't this and I wasn't that. And he just, and I just thought about it like a week after we broke up and I was just like, what the fuck, Kara? Like, how did you let this happen, bro? Like, this is... What? Like... <coughs> Y'all, I've been talking too much. I need to take a swig of water. <coughs> Not me coughing on a podcast. Hey, I can do whatever I want, okay? Um, and this just this breakup just sent me into a spiral of, like, who the fuck am I? what am I doing? Like, and what universe is what just happened? Okay. How did I let this person touch me? How did I let this person speak to me? How did I, how did I let them convince me that I loved them? Like, what the hell? I had never been love bombed before. It was this whole, <clears throat> it was a whirlwind experience. Like, because again, like it was the first time I'd ever, I'd ever met a man who agreed with me on how wonderful I was. Right. Like I had I had spent all these years building myself up and taking care of myself and getting healthy and being vegan and, st and sticking to my my values and my health and and. And to, and to what to just let somebody come in and just blow it all up. It was just it shook me to my core. It shook me to my core. And. And it was just like, I can't even describe to you like how disappointed I was in myself and how I blamed myself for allowing all that to happen and how sad I was and how I was just grossed out with my, with, with my behavior. And then, and then I had a, re a realization. I had the realization that no, this is not my fault. It is not my fault that some that he was a good actor. It was not my fault that like I believe people when they say things. It's not my fault that I chose to trust somebody and they betray my and like and they just so happened to be lying. And the worst part is I don't even think he was he thought he was lying. Like he was going through his own journey of figuring out that he had narcissistic tendencies and that he was love bombing, you know? But I I just took the information that was given to me and I ran with it. And I'm not going to apologize for that, right? <clears throat> but that being said, this sent me on, this whole experience sent me on this journey of like spiraling of like, who am I? Like, what do I value? Like, what do I care about? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Like, what do I want my life to look like? How do I make sure this never happens again? You know, because at this point, my experience with men was 
you know, my high school boyfriend was wonderful, you know, for a high school relationship. It was my first love. He treated me so well, like a princess. And we, it was a very mature relationship. We broke up because we were never going to live together. We were never going to live near each other ever again. And that was like, that was fine. You know, whatever, beautiful. But then it was like my second, my second situation with, with the man was like, you know, the runner and the chaser, the avoidant and the anxious. And he was shitty and he had his own issues, his own avoidant situation going on and you know that wasn't my fault so this is my third experience with a, with a man and he love bombed me and gaslit me and made me feel like shit about myself and like i kind of like it kind of altered my reality like i i there was a moment there before we broke up where i i was like maybe i'm the problem because he would use all this spiritual psychobabble bullshit against me he'd be like are you sure you're mad at me? Or is that just like a you problem you're projecting? Are you projecting? Like he was one of those people, one of those spiritual assholes. He very much so had like the energy of like a cult leader. Like he could have easily been a cult leader. Like he missed his calling there. <laughs> um, but like a subtle one, I guess. Anyway, I, I wish all these people the best. I really do. But, but anyway, so like this, like this H guy, like he, he like triggered this, the second wave of my spiritual awakening, right? <clears throat> the first one was like waking up to my own shit and getting tired of it and doing something about it. The second one was me waking up to all of my unhelpful coping mechanisms in relationship, right? So the first the first awakening I had was a, oh, an awakening to myself, right? Of how to take care of myself. And my second awakening was my awakening to my relationships, specifically romantic. I never had a problem with with friendships, you know, but my romantic relationships were fucked up. And this relationship in particular is what is what spiraled me into my father wound, into my daddy issues, into my coping mechanisms, into how I fawn and people please the men that I'm attracted to, the men that I'm interested in, and how unhelpful those habits were and how unhelpful those habits are. And I was like, I don't ever want to do this again. And like, how do I get there? Right. Which led me to reading books and ingesting podcasts and just like looking for the answers literally anywhere, everywhere. I read so many books. Like I I read, you know, Attached. I read Conversations with God. And the Conversations with God book is actually the book that changed my life um, that I spoke about in the last episode. But Anyway, so I started doing all this inner work. I I I start I kept meditating and I started journaling and I just I listened to the podcast and I just I figured out that I'm a fawner and I figured out that I'm a people pleaser and and I came across something at some point maybe on the internet maybe maybe somewhere else that basically actually I one of I have a you know, an ex friend who I think brought this point to me at some at some point and they were like you know, uh, people pleasing, if you look at it, is just a form of manipulation, which is crazy because if you're a people, if you're a people pleaser, you think that you're doing things for people, for the betterment of people. You think that you're helping by like making sure everyone's happy or whatever, but you're actually lying. When you're people pleasing, you're, you're, you are putting your needs below others like you are denying your truth to appease others in their experience which 
holding withholding the truth is lying you know what i mean like <laughs> like if you were for instance like people pleasing it, it showed up in my life with my dad like where i would walk around on eggshells and and make sure i made myself nice and small so that i didn't do anything to trigger him but that wasn't an authentic experience for me that was me lying to my dad to manipulate his behavior so that i didn't have to deal with the negative consequences of him being angry at me right it's a survival mechanism and i wasn't doing it with ill will or ill intent but it doesn't change the fact that i'm lying right because if i was being honest i would you know when you're a kid it's hard to to do this because you know you're a child and it's your parent but now i advocate for myself and i don't people please when i'm in a situation like that instead of you know being quiet and making myself small and tiptoeing around this a person like that with these with those tendencies to who have hairline triggers instead i just i speak my truth i say i'm uncomfortable and what you're doing is incredibly unnecessary you know or or i do it with love or i just won't put myself in the situation to be there right um and but when that was presented to me in that way i was like holy shit like i am denying my truth around men and just around people in general like i'm i've always been the yeah whatever you want to do whatever you want to do and i realized like i didn't have favorite things i didn't have like when it came to picking a restaurant in my friend groups it's like yeah you got it like whatever you want you know or when it came to having a favorite color i was just like i don't know i've never thought about it before like i remember being in the 5th grade and it was the first day of school and my teacher went around the room and asked everybody what their favorite color was. And I remember like panicking because I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I remember a girl in my class was like, my favorite color is green. And I just thought, oh, well, she's cool. So that'll also be my favorite color. Right. And I just, I just, that kind of behavior just followed me throughout my whole life. Like, yes, I was an individual in a lot of ways, but I was also just a chameleon. I was just a copycat in a lot of other ways because I didn't. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I valued. I didn't know who I was or what I was about or like what I cared for. And um, and then I figured it out. I read some books and and this is around the time where like the Black Lives Matter thing was happening and you know COVID was happening and I and for the first time I started thinking about what I thought about these things and and I started making choices and then I started you know being vocal about these choices and about the things that I thought you know on Facebook and Instagram and I started getting really overwhelmed with the news and I started just like I had this newfound voice of like advocating for myself and that and then I was advocating for others and, and I look back on on me at that time and I just I I'm just like bless your heart like you were really you were really out there you know you were really trying you were really trying to do something and now I I live a more balanced life i i can see things more clearly and more you know there's like 360 ways to look at anything right but at the time it just was, it was important for me to just like to make to stake a claim you know and also this was around that time where that that relationship happened and when it ended that's when i started realizing my father wounds and that's when i started setting boundaries with my dad and that was terrifying that was so terrifying and it was so scary that like at first I had to set the boundaries with my dad through text message because I was like, I can't, I don't, I can't say it to his face because like I can't, I can't bear the idea of him like getting mad at me or like shutting me down. Like it'll, I will shut down because <clears throat> a couple of instances happened when I was, an, when I was an adult um, around this time where 
you know, he blew up at me for, for petty little things. And I just, I was tired of it. And I was like, no, like, this is not how I want to be treated. You know, like I just, if I'm not going to let this man, you know, treat me this way, I'm not going to, or I'm not going to let my dad treat me this way. You know what I mean? You're supposed to be the example of how men are supposed to treat me. Like, no wonder I let myself be treated like shit. You know, and I started getting really angry and I started getting like really mad, which, which is good because anger is a catalyst for change. Like anger is such a powerful force for change. Um, it'll leap you to the next thing in in the scale of, of enlightenment if you let it. <coughs> um, and I started getting angry. I started pointing the anger at my dad for a good reason. I mean, the homie, like, again, I'm emotionally abusive my whole life, right? And again, I understand his behavior. It just doesn't excuse it. And that was kind of my mantra for several years. Um, so yeah, so then I started, then I started tackling my father wound, right? And I was just like, damn, this is hard work. And to the point where like last year or the year before, I can't remember, like I didn't talk to my dad for a year and that was really tough. And it, it made me really sad because he didn't talk to me for a year, you know? And, and that broke my heart. And, but a thing that that changed my life was just like i don't want to live a life where i'm constantly hoping and wishing that the people i'm surrounded by change like if they were just a little bit better in this way if they were just if they would just do this work if they would just do this no i don't want to do that because if somebody were to do that to me i'd be pissed i'm like i'm great you know i'm wonderful don't sit here and, and tell me I need to change. Like, accept me for who I am or get out. And like, and that's the same energy that I approached like my dad with. And um, because I, I want to love him for for who for who he is and I want to meet him where he's at. But it just, it just took I needed that separation and I needed, I needed to grieve the father I always wanted. <laughs> I needed to grieve the person that he wasn't before I could accept him for who he was. Because for several years, like, especially after that relationship, after that, that guy showed me all of my shit and all the ways that I've, like, all the ways I was just picking my father, you know, and letting myself be treated that way in this new romantic relationship, I was just like, no, like, I don't want that. And so I did. I, I grieved my father and, and you know, after the year was over and I kind of accepted uh, with boundaries, like I, I let my dad know very clearly what I was willing to, to put up with and what I was not. I, I spoke my truth. I told him it took me three different times, three different instances. And we haven't had a hiccup since, but the last instance before I cut, before I stopped talking to him was like, I was just, I was done. I was done. I was like, no, we're not doing this. You don't get to, you don't get to, I don't, I don't get to keep traumatizing little me. Right. And that's another big piece of my journey is of of me cutting off communication from my dad for for a minute was I thought that because I had done this work with with little me right after that after that toxic relationship I I had to forgive myself I had to tell little me like I'm sorry like that I put you through that you know <clears throat> and the same thing happened when I when I went vegan I was like I'm sorry that I've been feeding you garbage you know to little me that's been a big piece of this journey for me too. But, but anyway, I, I thought that I could, I thought I could hack, I thought adult me could hack 
being being around my dad when he would be, you know, emotionally abusive. Like I thought that, oh, like I'm the adult now. Like I'm the parent. I can handle this. We're gonna be good. And what I realized is like it doesn't matter if I'm the if I'm grown me or little me. Like we're still in the same room at the same time. Little me is still hearing all the words that are coming out of out of my dad's mouth. You know, and I just and I just refuse to keep tra- re-traumatizing myself. And um and that's just and that's what I did. So I just I cut off communication and I and I I grieved and I was so angry. Like so angry and it was so hard because my mom wanted every she would just wanted me to hold all the space for my dad and to just meet him where he was at before I was ready and I was just so angry. I was like I've held so much space for so many shitty men. And I'm not saying my dad's shitty, but the way he acts sometimes is. And that's and that's the truth. We can all be shitty, right? But I was like, I've held so much space. I was like, when when does someone gonna hold space for me? When when do I get when do when are when are they gonna meet me where I'm at? You know? And the answer is, I don't know, but I can meet me there. And I will. And I do. And I've continued to do so. And it was hard because like my mom was my be- my mom's my best friend and, and it put a tiff between us and um because it was like I knew she wasn't gonna pick sides. I knew she wasn't, but like you know, deep in my core, I wish she would. I I wish she could understand where I was coming from. And I think she could understand, but um she would never agree with where I, with what I was doing. And that hurt me. That hurt me really bad, but it didn't matter because I I did what I needed to do. I listened to my intuition. And at this point, I had built such a reputation with myself where I was like, I trust you. You've been taking care of us. I trust you. Whatever you need, take it. We're going to be okay. And that's what I did. And right around the time that I was kind of wrapping up that that grieving process, I had met the man who I ended up falling in love with that was like the healthiest, best relationship I've ever been. I've never been in. And, you know, all throughout this time, like I'm still living my other life. I'm still working. I'm still accomplishing things. I'm still doing, I'm still living my life. I'm still being me. I'm still being that same girl who has bold, who wears bold lipstick. And, and I had learned how to salsa dance, uh, during this time period that I wasn't talking to my dad. And I, I, I made friends in Dallas and I felt like I was finally starting to be a part of a community. And, but like this, this background work was, was what was ruling my life. Right. And yeah. And then then I met, I met this wonderful man. Um, and I'm I'm still in love with him, (laughs) you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm where I'm at now. And 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 all and also during this time, like I've gone to health coach school and I've learned so much about like holistic health and I've I'm no longer vegan, right? I've learned so much about protein and macro and micronutrients and just how to live a holistically healthy life from from the inside out, like from your community to your relationships to your food to your exercise, all these things <coughs> that. Like my father wound, like dealing with that, that was just like, that was like, I felt like that was like my last level of doing (coughs) the core curriculum of like, of like sifting through my childhood trauma, right? And now my dad and I are cool. Like he just spent four days in my house, like fixing, you know, a bunch of stuff and we hung out and we ate food and 
and there's this like there's this respect there and like he knows what i expect and i know what he expects and and now we're chilling you know i can meet him where he's at because i'm no longer i'm no longer like hoping and praying and begging that he changes i can just enjoy him for for what he is and that's why and that's how i ended up being in that relationship um with the with the man with the man who was wonderful is i could meet him where he was at because he's got a lot of qualities of my dad but he's got a lot of the good qualities of my dad you know they say you marry your father but a lot of people just they marry like the bad like the the negative side like the unhelpful side of their father where it's like i have no problem marrying my father like the good parts like the parts that are helpful you know if my dad would have never been traumatized he would have been wonderful <laughs> you know like just from the get the whole time um and so that and doing that work helped me show up in this in this relationship uh, with the man I still love. We're no longer together, you know, technically, but we still love each other. And I, the fact that I can even say that, the fact that I can even walk away from a relationship with from a man that I'm still I'm still actively in love with is like, it's just it's crazy. But like that's how much effort and time an intention I've put into what I want and how I want it and who I am and what I, and who I want to be. And I take that shit so serious. And that's kind of, and like that kind of leads me to where I am today. Like I know that was a long history of who, who the hell Kara G is, but I just wanted to lay out the foundation of who I am. And I want to, I want you to know what I'm about and and what I value and how I got here. You know, I'm not, a, again, I, I am not a special person. But what I have done is, when I say I'm not a special person, I'm not a special person in the grand scheme of humans, right? But what I have done is I've honored my specialness. I woke up to my shit. I woke up to, 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 the version of me that was self-abandoning. And I said, whoa, what are we doing here, guys? Okay, I've been asleep for 23 years. What the hell? Like, we're a mess. And so then I started taking steps to take care of myself. And, you know, learning, like the veganism led to me learning how to cook. And it led to me drinking more water and doing more research on what food what foods do to your body. And and that led me to like exercising and learning how to exercise and learning how, wait, what, how you know, lifting weights and walking and dancing, how that affects your body and sleep. It got me into learning how to sleep. I literally watched a freaking sleep seminar or webinar during COVID because I was just like, this is fascinating, you know, and how sleep affects your health and then how your relationships affect your health. And everything just has come back to, you know, health as well. If I don't have this, what do I have, you know? And then and on top of that, your relationships are a massive part of your health. And if you're nothing without your health and you are nothing without your relationships, right? And I want deep, big, beautiful, loving, expansive relationships with my friends, with my family and with my partner. And I feel like right now where I'm at in my life, I am like just now getting to taste of that. I am I am just now getting to feel the bigness of myself feel the fullness of my relationships and just I'm like I'm just excited to see where it goes you know with this last romantic relationship I was in like it had 
the foundation to be something really big and really like just fucking incredible and it was incredible and it was big for what it was but it had it had a and he's listening to this which makes me laugh but but it's the truth everything i'm saying here i've said to him but it had the it had the potential to go the length to go the distance and and everyone around us could see that and i felt it and and i know it and i just know things now like the the more the more this work you do the more you get to know yourself the more you build a relationship with yourself like the more you just know things the more you just know when something is right for you like that serendipitous feeling that that intuition that gut feeling like it just gets stronger and stronger to the point where you're like you feel like a psychic you feel like you're magical um and that's kind of how i felt how i felt how i how i still feel about this relationship however sustainability is my number one right like if if my health and my relationships are what i care about most like the sustainability of maintaining those healthy relationships and and my health in my body that's the most important key and in order to maintain sustainability you have to have the tools you have to have the tools and the difference between me and and the partner who i was dating I've spent a lot of time collecting those tools because it, it's been my priority for so long. Like relationship, the goal of having that big expansive relationship has been, the it's been my priority for so long. Whereas I think he he's just now getting there. So he's just now looking into getting the tools and and that's beautiful, right? And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, a, I'm above or below or, or whatever, but you know, I think down the line, if the tools are there, like maybe we we will revisit. You know, and I would and I would love that. That would be amazing. And if you're listening, I mean it. <laughs> um, but anyway, but that's kind of how. But I that's where I'm at. All of that leads me to to right now on this podcast. And earlier this year, um, I had been journaling and. I found some old notes that I had written to myself while I was going through all these experiences. And I just thought, what would happen if I just shared them? What would happen if I shared them and I, and I spoke to where I was at when I was, when I was going through that? I wonder if that would help people. I wonder if it would help people to hear exactly how I maneuvered and what steps I took. Um, and even though this has been a long episode and a long explanation of like the, the wholeness of my life, like, each one of these experiences that I've talked to and that I've touched on, like I have so much to say about them in terms of what I did to get through them and the books that I read and the podcasts that I consumed and like the ideals that I found that saved me, that woke me up to my shit, that woke me up to the shit of others. Um, and that have been guiding lights for me throughout this journey. And on top of that, like, I've started journaling, you know, during the course of this. So like, there's like, I want to go back and read some of these journal entries, even though it's my private life. Like, I don't give a shit, right? I don't care. I have like, I think that it's radical honesty, radical responsibility. Like that, that stuff gets me up in the morning. You know, I just think it's, my story is my story. And like, I am not afraid to share that and all of it's, patheticness and all of its sadness and all of its triumph and all of its glory like it's all me it's all a part of my 
the journey of me unfolding my perfection. Because right now I feel perfect. Right now I feel so aligned. Like I'm moving to California for this job. And and to give you context, like literally in, in the last 57 days, the partner who I love and I, we, we broke up. Okay. The, the partner I thought like we were going all the way with, right. We broke up because I, I accepted the truth for what it was. Okay. Not only did we break up, I got fired from the contract job that I was working out of nowhere th- through text message. Okay. Two massive things. Um, I quit my nine to five earlier this year. Like I dyed my hair red. I, I'm launching this podcast. Like just so many things are happening and they're happening like faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And I cannot help but think and to know that it's because I've been, I've, I've just been exponentially getting better and better and better at knowing who I am, knowing what I'm about and sticking to it and listening, listening for what makes sense for me and when it makes sense and, and trusting myself to make choice and trusting myself to i'm just trusting myself to surrender like i'm i'm surrender i'm trust falling into myself every day more and more and i i want everyone to know what that feels like and it's, you're not it's not going to happen for you the same way it happened for me but what i can do is i can i can i can encourage you to to listen to your intuition to get still, to get silent. I can use my education and health coaching to inform and to edit some of those ways and like to edit and 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 cry and analyze what I went through with like this 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 2020 vision, you know? So, I mean, that's me. I think I pretty much covered all of it. I mean, Jesus, it's only almost been 2 hours, but if you're like me, uh I love long podcasts. Um because it just who doesn't? Like, am I Joe Rogan? I don't know. Shout out. He'd just be shooting the shit. And and me too. Not all the episodes are going to be this long. Because I did start from like the beginning of my life. Um, but yeah, I just... Right now, I feel like I'm in my third wave of, of awakening. Uh, and I didn't even know... I didn't even know I was going to say that. Or that I was going to think that until just now. But... It happened when me and me and my partner broke up <clears throat> like two months ago. That was that has kickstarted this third this third wave. This third wave of like my fuck it era. Like I am in my fuck it era. Like I have learned so much and I have done so much. And there's no reason for me like to just sit and wait for anything. I have been sitting and waiting for things my entire life, thinking that thinking that other people have the answers for me, thinking that if I do things the conventional way, I'm going to have the freedom and the money and and all this stuff and and I'm going to find I'm going to have the love. If if I just make my keep myself small and 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 put my head down like everything will come to me. But that's just not true for me at all. Because I don't want conventional if that doesn't make any sense for me. Right? Like I could have easily, like, I could have easily with this last, for, for instance, with this last partner, coped with it the way that I used to. I could have just made myself smaller and smaller while I, and like, didn't speak up for what I needed. And I could have just like stayed in it longer and longer and been 
and I would have grown to resent my partner because I wouldn't have been advocating for myself and I would have people pleased my way into, you know, maybe we would have, maybe would have, we would have, you know, gotten engaged or something. And then he would have, you know, and then maybe would have imploded later down the line. But I was just like, no, no, we have a good thing, but it's not sustainable right now. And I'm not going to wait for us to hate each other to, to figure that out, you know? And the same thing with myself. I'm like, like I stopped being vegan because I realized I wasn't doing it the appropriate way. Like I wasn't getting enough protein and I wasn't getting enough iron and I felt like shit and I was so tired all the time. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't let the information that I had learned, I couldn't just let that sit idly by like, and be like, no, I'm vegan and that's my personality. So I'm not going to make these edits and changes as I go because, you know, just because I don't want people to think that I'm like wishy-washy or like what, what I'm like, <clears throat> what do I care what people think? Right? Like they're, this is my life. I get to, with new information, I get to make new choices and I get to continue the dance with the universe and I get to continue editing and copying and pasting and back backspacing and, you know, like we can do whatever we want. And if you get anything out of my story, it's that shit gets better. But you have to try. And you have to give yourself the chance. And you have to show up for yourself. And you have to do it consistently. And you have to forgive yourself when you don't. And that's... And that's all I've really done, right? Like, and I'm... And I'm the first person to tell you, like, I'm incredibly proud of myself. I'm not proud of myself because I've, I've done anything special or crazy. I'm proud of myself because I continue to show up every single day for my truth. And I live it and I stand by it, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it pisses me off, even if it makes me work harder than I want to, even if it breaks my fucking heart. I stand by my truth and I honor it with everything that I have. And that's who the hell Kara G is. That's who I am. Uh, that's what I value. That's what I'm about. And that's what I hope everyone around me takes away from relating to me or takes away from, from hearing me speak. Like, I hope that you can do and see that for yourself. I hope that you can honor yourself. I hope that you can love yourself. I hope, I hope that you can do the hard things because you know, it's, you know, it's what's most helpful for you. And I am practicing this every day. Like I, I'm, I struggle with this every day. Like it is not easy being alive. Like, and in fact, I think being alive is inherently traumatic right? Like the trauma is promise, right? We're all promised death. We're all promised like heartache. We're all promised the death of our parents. We're all, those are the things that we are sure about, right? But at the same time, life is so beautiful. You know, crying is beautiful. Death is beautiful. Like, like staring the person, the person you love the most in the eyes and like walking away from them. Because you know that it's not right. You know that it's that that it's not the time. It's not sustainable. Like that shit's hard and it breaks my heart, but it's just like 
but I just know that that this is what this is what I need to be doing right now, you know. Anyway, that's who the hell Kara G is. Holy shit, it's been two hours. Like I didn't know I had this many words inside of me. <laughs> cool. Um, and I just want to I want to end this episode. Um, well, a if you're still here, thanks. But I want to end this episode with some affirmations, right? We started the episode with gratitude. I want to end the, the episode with, with affirmations. Um, and if you feel inclined, like, you know, say them, right? <clears throat> but I like to end my journal. I like to end my journal entries. I, I journal every day and I'll talk more about why um, in another episode, but I journal every day. And at the end of them, I always, I always end with at the very least, you know, thank you. I love you. At the very least, I end every journal entry with thank you, I love you. And again, I, it's like I'm talking in second person, but that's me recognizing the effort that I've put in and giving gratitude and love and appreciation um, for showing up, for showing up for me, for showing up for life, for showing up for everything that I'm about and everything that I want to be about and everything that I've been about. Um, so yeah, so maybe try, thank you. I love you. Um, in the morning and before you go to bed, I also like to, you know, I also like to say that I am love. I am light. I am magic. That's my another, those are another three that I really like. Um, other ways you can, you can affirm yourself or like, I feel, I do, you know, I, I am and just, you know, insert whatever, whatever you want. But that is today's show. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, almost two hours. That's crazy. Thank you so much for listening. You can please follow the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. On Instagram, it's at Perfection Unfolding Pod. On YouTube, it's Perfection Unfolding, I believe, you know, podcast or Perfe- Perfection Unfolding with Kara G. Um, please, fo- please subscribe to the YouTube. You know, I was going to post the YouTube, I mean, the video version of this episode, of the first episode. But then I was just like, you know what? Like, I am not going to give myself this extra step. I'm going to meet myself where I'm at. I'm going to keep posting the videos as like the audio forms. Um, but that's the one place you can comment um, and leave leave comments about the show. If you liked it, if you got anything out of this, if anything surprised you about my story, like, let me know. Like, if you want to chop it up about anything else, um, you know that I like to talk. So hit me up like subscribe share this rate this review it on apple Podcasts or anywhere you you listen to the podcast um new episodes every tuesday you can follow me your host at kara g campbell you can also follow me at um nature kara i have a, a nature page and now that i'm moving out to california i'm sure i'll be posting more on there just of all the beautiful nature scapes um in the mountains um, you can also follow me at Kara G Photography. Again, I got a lot of Instagrams. I got a lot of hobbies. Um, and then I will soon be posting on Kara G Coaching. Um, I am a certified health coach. So if you are interested in health coaching or if you if you resonated with anything that I said here on, on today's episode, I do uh, holistic health coaching. My main, my main demographic is women, but I am totally down to help out all you men and you non-binary and in-betweeners. Um, but yeah, you can find me at karagcoaching.com, karagphotography.com. Um, and yeah, follow Perfection Unfolding. And let's boost this app. Let's boost it. You know, let's just make it happen. So this has been lovely. I love you guys. 
Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next Tuesday.